Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show. I'm super excited uh, to be coming to you today from uh, Andrew's Studios here in Woodland Park, Colorado, and uh, super excited about our guest today, too. Today is going to be an awesome show, chocked full of uh, useful information, probably stuff that you've not heard before, and, uh, you know, uh, from, from one of our, the, the most leading expert on econ economy and, and matters uh, financial uh, in America today and our new friend. But before I get to introduce him to you, I want to share a little bit of announcements with you. First, wanted to let everybody know that Andrew is going to be in Chesapeake, Virginia on January 27th at E.W. Jackson's church. Uh, the Stand Foundation and the Called Church are going to be having a service that Sunday, and Andrew's going to be ministering along with E.W. So if you live in that area, uh, Chesapeake, Virginia, be sure to make it out. That's the 27th of January. And um, uh, I think his church is located at 700 Conference Center Drive in Chesapeake, Virginia. So uh, try to make that. And then uh, Flashpoint Live is coming to our campus here at Karis Bible College. Flashpoint with Gene Bailey and his hosts of normal, regular, uh, exciting guests will be here on the campus of Karis Bible College on February 8th and 9th. And uh, you can go to awmi.net slash events and find all the information you need about that. Uh, you can also find links on Flashpoint's website as well. So be sure to register for that, especially if you live in this area. Come and, and take advantage of this amazing opportunity to hear uh, from many of the leaders in the body of Christ today on you know, current events and other things from a prophetic angle, from a biblical angle. Andrew Womack will be ministering. I believe Lance Wall now will be ministering and many others. So be sure to come out for Flashpoint Live February 8th and 9th at Karis Bible College. Hey guys, if you've not checked out the research Center and Resources Center on Truth and Liberty's website. You really need to do that. Uh, truthandliberty.net. We have hundreds of links on there. Everything from uh, voting resources to how to start a culture impact team to uh, informative articles on the issues of the day, whether it's national defense or the, the life issue or the LGBT issue and all kinds of other stuff. So check that out today. You know, you may not know this too, is we have a 24-7 news link on our site where we, uh, f we feed you with headlines and articles from our favorite conservative news sources. And uh, it really is designed to be a one-stop shop. So check out our website at truthandliberty.net. And if you're not a subscriber, you can share your email with us there and uh, then you'll start receiving all the updates about what's happening here at the ministry and uh, Truth and Liberty, and also blogs and articles that we put out regularly addressing the important issues of today. All right, guys. Well, our guest today is my new friend, Kevin Freeman. Kevin has been on the show, I think, a couple times before, once with Alex and once with me. But uh, this is a man who I am just have immense respect for. Kevin um, is an expert, one of the leading world experts on uh, economic warfare and financial terrorism. He's consulted at the highest levels of the United States government, including the United States House of Representatives, the United States Senate, Department of Defense, uh, CIA, 
FBI, the Securities Exchange Commission, uh, the Justice Department, local and state law enforcement. He's authored many different books. Um, he's also the co-founder of the NSIC National Security He's going to tell me what this means. I should know it. Uh, Institute, editor of Tactics and um, Preparedness Magazine, and also he is a member of the advisory board for our good friends at the Liberty, our First Liberty Institute. Kevin, I'm sure your biography is actually much longer and much more accomplished than even that. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Richard. Always good to be with you. Man, uh, your resume truly is impressive. Tell me about this whole thing called economic warfare and financial terrorism. When we think terrorism, we think, you know, Hamas uh, blowing up people and suicide bombers and that stuff. What's this economic terrorism and uh, financial warfare or economic warfare? Well, you know, you can see it in Hollywood. There are a lot of movies being made where people are blowing things up and then they're profiting in the stock market from it. You can think of 9-11 as a kinetic attack on our nation where they uh, flew planes in the World Trade Center. But why the World Trade Center? Why not a Michigan-Ohio State football game where they could have wiped out 100,000 people, not 3,000 or 10,000 people? Why, why did they pick that? Because they were attacking our economy. And they understand that a lot of the strength of America and the hearts of Americans lie in the economy. And if you could take down the stock market, you could crash it through cyber means or you could crash it by flying a plane into it or any of those things. That's a type of financial terrorism. And economic warfare is very similar. When a nation state undergoes a policy like China to steal our intellectual property or to unleash a biological weapon with the idea of shutting down an economy, that's a type of economic warfare. So it's using money as a weapon or targeting money as a target. <clears throat> and, and so I guess my follow-up then is, uh, Obviously, that is happening today. Uh, the United States is the, the victim of economic warfare. I think China has embraced a policy called unrestricted warfare. And can you tell us a little bit more about that? What is What are they doing to us now? And, and is our government responding? Are we doing anything to protect ourselves? You know, it's interesting. Two senior colonels wrote uh, the paper, Unrestricted Warfare. It was published as a book by their National Defense University. A CIA agent went in there and bought a copy of the book, spirited it out, and then they re republished it in English. You can read it today. Go to Unrestricted Warfare, do a Google search, and you'll find it. Basically, it identifies multiple types of attacks, how to take down a superpower like America, that were not just a one-on-one -on -one army against army, navy against navy. The most interesting part I found was that they had identified two major figures, one named Osama bin Laden. This was published in 1999, and they described him as the ultimate terrorist and how he could take down the World Trade Center. Now stop and think wow. about that. Two years before 9-11, they mentioned that. And the other one that they mentioned is a guy named George Soros. Before anybody really knew who George Soros was, now granted, he'd taken out the Bank of England in the early 70s, but they mentioned him and they said, who could, uh, how could you not call him a financial terrorist. And if you use the financial markets to crash the stock market, this is before the second 9-11. We had one 9-11 in 2001. The second 9-11 was 2008. And most people don't think of it that way, but that was the day that Lehman Brothers came under fire 
and failed bringing down the entire economy. That was the 2008 financial collapse began on 9-11-2008, seven years to the day after 9-11-2001. You know, I have never heard that uh, phrase that way. Did Were uh, America's enemies behind the collapse of Lehman Brothers? Well, I would suggest yes. In fact, I had that theory and I uh, sent it to the Pentagon and the Defense Department hired me as an outside consultant to prove or disprove the theory. I think we proved it. I wrote a book called Secret Weapon, How Economic Terrorism Took Down the U.S. Stock Market and Why It Could Happen Again and documents exactly what happened. Russia was involved in attacking Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac and the housing uh, crisis. Abu Dhabi and Qatar through uh, London. Uh, we're attacking our stock market by going after the big Jewish banks. And we have Yusuf Karadawi, who is a known Muslim brother terrorist, who was, was, uh, would have been killed on the spot if he'd re-entered Egypt. Uh, he was the Sharia scholar for two sovereign wealth funds in the Middle East that were short-selling the American banks. Now, it gets complex and in the weeds, involves credit default swaps, naked short-selling, and all of these complex financial instruments that Warren Buffett called financial weapons of mass destruction. And they were unleashed on Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns and Goldman Sachs and all the, quote, Jewish investment banks. And the net result was that we pretty much nearly went bankrupt. If we hadn't bailed out the system, it was going under. Wow. And so um, <clears throat> what's happening today in terms of economic warfare? Are they still using the same tactics? It seems like um, I I'm speculating that today perhaps they have a man on the inside uh, here in the United States, <laughs> or maybe uh, thousands of them, uh, not, not to make light of it. But how are we being attacked economically today? Well, you, you may have heard of the BRICS nations, Brazil, yes. Russia, India, China, South Africa, and now Saudi Arabia. And they've invited Iran and other nations to join them. Uh, they've decided that we must have an alternative to the U.S. dollar as the global reserve currency. Now, this is an idea that was first put forward by Vladimir Putin in 2006-2007, and he accelerated that attack on the U.S. dollar in 2008. The Chinese didn't join him until 2013. But if you remove the U.S. dollar as the central reserve currency of the world, you would cause our debt, $34 trillion currently, uh, to be less attractive to the world. Why would I invest in U.S. Treasury bonds? So one of the forms of economic warfare today is the attempt to de-dollarize and de-Americanize the world. Another form of economic warfare today is the borders. If you can send enough people across our borders, it's the cloud uh, pivot strategy where you overwhelm the system. You overwhelm the welfare system and the ability of cities to accept these immigrants and so forth. That was known, a known and published strategy was open the borders and overwhelm the system. Well, foreign governments appear to be doing that, trying to take advantage of our open borders. You say a man inside, why would the United States government, why would the Biden administration allow the borders to be open? It's not good for the American worker. It's not good for uh, the cities that they're going into. It's not good for the welfare system when we're having troubles. It's not even good for the schools. So that they're having to send kids home to learn online so that they can take the schools over and house immigrants. Who is it good for? 
or natural resources wars. And how about the rare earth minerals where China is getting our environmental teams to lock up our rare earth minerals so they can sell us rare earth minerals or intellectual property theft that's taking place from China and other places. All of these are forms of modern economic warfare and our government certainly is not ignorant of them because I've explained it. I worked with the Pentagon. You can go. I, I have people that work in the classified areas of government all the time. I'll run into them and they'll say, oh, wow, you're Kevin Freeman. I read your reports. You are like the father of economic warfare. And I said, well, I won't. They won't even let me read some of my reports that I wrote because they stuffed them away and hit them away. But the national Mike, general Michael Flynn, contacted me out of the blue when he was the head of the DIA and asked me to come in and teach economic warfare in the Defense Intelligence Agency. Wow. And so um, let's, let's talk about open borders. I want to just not, not leave that undone. I, recently, I've been hearing occasional references to replacement theory. And uh, I think the idea is like this. We just need to open our borders and let millions of immigrants come into this nation so that we can permanently alter the demographic makeup of our country and give the Democrats a solid lock on elections uh, for, you know, uh, unforeseeable future. Um, and, uh, and then we can impose our socialistic, globalistic uh, agenda. Is, is that a real thing that's happening today? Well, there may be elements in the Democratic Party who really believe that, and these would be honorable Democratic votes. Uh, the problem that they'll encounter is a, a large number of the people who come here are tired of what they had and don't want more of that, and so they're coming across the border to look for economic freedom. Now, I don't think we just open our borders. There's no, there is no nation on earth that could survive uh, without borders. You have yeah. to have borders. But there are a number of people that have come from South America that, that they get here and they say, hey, look, I don't want democratic socialism. I, do, hmm. I, ha I left that. I don't want to come into that. Vene I can't go in Orlando without an Uber driver that came from Venezuela telling me, please don't do that. Please don't vote for socialism. So, but I do think a, a portion of the Democratic Party believes that. I think it's a larger issue. I think it's a World Economic Forum issue, which is we're going to have an entire world without borders. And the World Economic Forum basically said that. If you saw the eight predictions for the year 2030, one of their predictions, the U.S. will no longer be superpower, will be one nation among many. And the other one is we're going to have to deal with lots and lots and lots of immigrants who were shifting around the world. And I think that that they're trying to herd people. The elites have a plan to herd people around the world because we're all serfs. They're the, they're the pigs of Animal Farm, and they're mm -hmm. going to control us. And, and so I think it's not just to take over the U.S. elections. I think they can do that anyway, or they're planning to try to do that anyway. I think it's more we're going to reorient the world and remake it in our social elitist uh, framework. Well, uh, folks, if you're watching today, our, our guest is Kevin Freeman, who is um, uh, an expert on all things economic and economic security especially. And if you've got questions today, please feel free to call in. We'd love to have you join the call, join the show. The number's on your screen there, 719-619-2341. And also, if you're, if you're watching today and you need prayer, I encourage you to take advantage of Andrew Womack Ministries' 24-7 uh, prayer center. 
Um, there are trained, Word of God trained, Spirit-filled prayer uh, ministers standing by to take your call. That number is 635-1111, also area code 719. You know, every day we hear miracles coming out of that phone center, uh, people's lives being changed, bodies being healed, marriages being saved, people getting born again. It's an awesome thing. So take advantage of that today. Um, and. Uh, uh, Kevin, I want to ask you before we go on to more substance, uh, you've got a book out today called Pirate Money. Uh, I want to put that up on the screen and ask you to tell us a little bit about this uh, book. What's this about and how can people get a copy of it? Yeah, the book is titled Pirate Money, Discovering the Founder's Hidden Plan for Economic Justice and Defeating the Great Reset. And what it's about is it's about going back to a personal state offered gold and silver standard. Uh, one of the economic war problems that we're facing is that our own nation's printing much too much money, and the foreign governments are not wanting to own that debt. I mean, China owned, held 10% of our outstanding federal debt in 2008, 2009, 2010. They hold about 2% of our outstanding federal debt today. They've really reduced their holdings of American debt. Why? They say it's unbacked by anything. It's just paper money. Well, the founders hated paper money. And so they gave us in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 10, they, they said a state can make nothing other than gold and silver coins tender within the state. And the double negative means that a state can make gold and silver coins tender. So pirate money is a way to make gold and silver at an optional, not forced on you, but a choice, if you wanted it, you could have a personal gold or silver standard. And we call it pirate money because it's really based on what the founders thought was real money. Gold and silver coins were gold doubloons and silver pieces of eight. And literally, that's what Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin and George Washington would have been exchanging among themselves, not British farthings and pounds. They would have been exchanging Spanish mill dollars known as pieces of eight and gold doubloons, which we think of as pirate money today. Wow. And so you, you talked about this some when you were on the show last time, but um, you, you've got this idea, which I think is phenomenal, of actually getting the states to create a currency based in real gold and real silver and, uh, and, and have people carry a, a card that would allow them to transact business in gold and silver. Oh, awesome, you've got a picture. Hold it up close to the screen so our folks can see that. Can you do that, or to the camera? I don't know where your camera I, I, is, but. I can't, the camera's a good, good distance camera's away. Camera's too far away. It, All right, yeah. well, uh, tell us about this idea. There we go, we've got a graphic. Davy Crockett is the card holder, gotta love that. <laughs> but um, what is this card? How would this plan work? And where are we in the journey on getting this done? Okay, so the problem with gold and silver, and here's examples of gold and silver coins. You know, uh, this is part of a gold doubloon. This would be a part of a piece of eight. Uh, the problem with that is, is you can't just carry card, coins around and pay. If I walked into with this is a half a scudo, uh, and, and so it is uh, about 1 16th of a gold doubloon. If I walk into a coffee shop, and I did this, I, David Barton had his pro-family legislative conference in Irving, Texas, and I walked in, I told him about pirate money, and so I, I said to the legislators that were there, let me try this. I walked into the coffee shop there at the Omni Hotel, and I plunked that thing down on the, on the counter and said, I'd like to buy a latte and I want to pay for it with this. He looked at me, 
I don't know how to do it. How would I do it? And I said, it's gold. He said, I, I, can't, I can't do that. Now, if he'd been a smart young man, he would have said, great, picked up the coin, which is a 16th of a gold doubloon, you know, so it's, it's worth hundreds of dollars, stuck in his pocket and bought my latte for me and said, you're very welcome. Thank you. Hope you have a nice latte. He was right. completely dumbfounded on how to do it. So I said, all right, you won't do that. And he said, no, sir, I'm sorry. I, I want to do that for you, but I don't know how. So I pulled out a commercial version of this, a glint card, which is a real thing. You can go onto your iPhone or your Android and you can download an app called Glint Pay. And I said, all right, if I paid for it with this, which was a MasterCard affiliated card, would, could I buy my latte? And he said, yes. I said, I'm paying for it in gold. And he swiped it, ran it. I got my latte. It took me, it was about $6, which is one-tenth of a gram of gold, came out of my depository account and went into the account of the um, coffee shop there in Irving. And I said, I just paid for it in gold. Then I gave him book pirate money. I said, if you want to learn how this works, get this book. I went back later. He did not look up from the book once. He was just reading it and was like, wow, this is amazing. I want this. It's a means of transacting in gold and silver as functional money. It's available commercially today by GlintPay, and there's a couple of others, Knessis and Load and a few others. But if I put the legal tender status of gold and silver from a state, and I make it functional money like I've been able to do with Glint, in essence, you have a personal opt-in gold and silver standard issued and protected by a state. So I could go to Texas, where I'm from, and I could say, here's $10,000. I want you to put it in gold on my behalf. And they would go out in the open market, buy gold for me. I would have to pay a one-half one of 1% 1 fee to buy gold, which is very inexpensive, because they can buy at spot price. They would hold it on my behalf, and when I wanted to spend it, I'd take my debit card, and they would translate whatever the cost was. For my cup of coffee, if it's $6, they would take out just enough gold to sell and then pay the merchants. But eventually, the coffee shop will say, hey, I, I don't want you to sell it. You just put the gold in my account. And the merchant could have gold in their account, so it just transfer from my account to their account, and we could have a gold standard system that we were personally operating in that avoids the pitfalls, potentially, of the US dollar from inflation or whatever with the guarantee from by the state that it would be a private transaction. They would not look at it. They would not pass it on to anybody. It'd be a private transaction without a court order. Now, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. they get into terrorism and all that, and they get a court order, they could look at it, but they would promise that they would not do that. And people say, well, I don't know if I trust that. And I said, well, you're going to have to trust someone. You have an option here. And isn't having 50 states offering this where you could pick the state that you operated in that you trusted the most to have that, if you didn't want to do it, you wouldn't have to. But the, it would also enable for you to write checks on it. And you could write a check. I'm going to pay Richard uh, one-tenth of a gram of gold. And that would be the equivalent today in today's value of about $6. And I could write you a check. I could write you 10 grams of gold, whatever I've got in my account. It would operate just like that. And if you wanted to show up at the depository and say, give me my gold back, 
you hand them the slip and then they would sign off and they would remove the gold and hand it to you and you can take it home with you. But it has one huge advantage. If it's both functional money and can operate like real money and it's legal tender, you put those two together, it's not taxable by the IRS. Right now, what I did with Glent in that coffee shop, I bought gold at one price, I spent it at a different price, I have to calculate that price difference, and I owe the federal government a capital gain on the gain that it went up, my gold went up from when I bought it to when I spent it. I don't want to have to do that. That's why I want it to be state-based, legal tender, that is functional money with guarantees of my privacy. I don't want MasterCard giving my data over to the federal government. And by the way, Glint Pay, MasterCard doesn't see which individual's doing the transaction. They just see Glint's doing the transaction, and Glint keeps tabs on who is behind it. Uh -huh. So I have some extra level of privacy, and they can't cut me off because I happen to say that I don't think that a biological male should participate in women's sports. Uh, you know, okay, I'm a hater, so you can't spend money. They can't, they don't even know. That's protected, and the state can protect me. And right now, the states are standing up against the federal government in beautiful, wonderful ways, and I'm very appreciative of that. Well, that's an amazing, uh, amazing idea. I love the illustration. It, it, it makes total sense. Uh, we've got a break coming up in about three minutes, Kevin, but in, this, in the time we have left, um, I want you to explain what you're doing in the state governments right now to get them to make uh, you exercise their rights to coin money uh, in gold and silver and use that as, as um, legal tender. What's going on? Well, the main thing I'm doing is I published this book, and we had a legislative session here at Liberty Hawk Ranch. We brought out legislators from uh, two dozen states. They read the book. They took it home to their home state. They passed it on to their state treasurer. They passed it on to the other people in the legislature. We handed it out at David Barton's pro-family conference. We've taken it to the State Financial Officers Foundation. We took it to uh, the National Association of Christian Lawmakers, and they passed it unanimously as model legislation. The book explains all the history. It explains what money truly is. It explains the constitutional basis for what we're talking about. And it even gives model legislation. And it's an easy-to-read format where it's got fun stories in it about Monopoly, the game, or The Wizard of Oz, the movie, or uh, you know, my history and background as a 10-year-old kid buying a Hershey bar for 10 cents that now costs $2.50. It tells the whole story of how money works. When legislators read this, the first thing they do is they call me and say, hey, can you come talk to us? And I was January 6th, what an amazing day, in the mm. state of Utah, and I was talking to the state of Utah representatives, Marlo Oaks, the treasurer of Utah, the majority whip in the House, leadership in the Senate. We had a public forum. I spoke to the Eagle Forum of Utah that night. One after another, they said, we're going to do this. Art Alley from Timothy Plan in Florida had me come in, and I spoke to one-fourth of the entire Florida legislature. Every person in that room said, we're going to do it. Well, if you have one-fourth of a legislature, you're halfway there to getting it passed. Mm -hmm. So we are doing the right kind of things to get this known. I'll be in Oklahoma on Monday. I'll be back to Florida, Tennessee at the end of the month, Georgia at the end of the month all of these things to get legislators to move forward on this project. 
Well, folks, listen, you need to get a copy of Kevin's book, Pirate Money. Let's put that back up on the screen. We can see a picture on your desk there, too. But just go to his website there, piratemoneybook.com, piratemoneybook.com, and get your copy today. And after you read this thing, you need to be reaching out to your state legislators, to your reps and your senators, uh, and let them know that you want them to take action on this. And when we come back from our break uh, here in just a little bit, I want to talk about why uh, the states need to do this, both from an ec economy perspective and a freedom perspective, Kevin. Why do we need this and why is it critical? Uh, but last thing before we go, you've got your own uh, podcast, I think, that you do there, Economic War Room. Can you tell folks how they can catch that? Yeah, if you go to economicwarroom.com and sign up for the free battle plans, we'll send you once a week, we'll send you an email. Uh, the email out now is on natural asset companies, and we can talk about that. We beat them back today. We had a big win. All right, awesome. Okay, well, we're going to take a little break here, uh, share some announcements, and we'll be right back in about 90 seconds. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. You were created with a purpose, written in the heart of God, long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey everybody, Richard Harris here. I wanted to let you know that the Truth and Liberty live call-in show is now on Twitter. You can watch us there at 3.30 Mountain Time, 5.30 Eastern Time, five days a week. Just go and follow us on Twitter at Truth and Liberty Co. That's C-O. And remember, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So don't miss out. Watch us live on Twitter. Okay, we're back here on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show, and my guest today is Kevin Freeman. We've been talking about his latest book called Pirate Money and the idea behind it to, uh, for the state governments in the United States to exercise their rights under the Constitution to create gold and silver coinage, uh, to, uh, which is legal tender, um, and uh, to enable people to actually transact business in gold and silver. Now, Kevin, um, it's a fascinating concept for people like me that aren't financial gurus. Why is this important? Uh, and, and I'd like for you to address first the, the, the freedom perspective on this. What is happening in our country uh, that makes, a, makes you concerned that we need the ability to do this uh, to, to stay free? Well, sometime in, 20, in March of 2022, Joe Biden uh, issued Executive Order 14067, which was study and implement a central bank digital currency. And if you read the order, half or more of it is language on diversity, equity, inclusion. It's on how we should have quotas. It's on, on protecting the environment. And they're asking a lot of our money. 
really they're acting, uh, talking about using money as a tool to control people to get their progressive agenda implemented. And I'll give you an example because 100 central banks around the world are looking at implementing a central bank digital currency. And they had a big, in September, a big meeting at the G20. And there was a lady there who was a spokesperson for the G20 who came out to Indian television and was explaining what they were doing with this. And she said, I just saw you take a, a sip of coffee there. Uh, I presume it's coffee. I've got coffee yes. here for sure. She said, if I go in the morning and, and go to the local coffee shop and buy a cup of coffee, that afternoon I go in and I take my uh, central bank digital currency card and I try and buy a cup of coffee with it, it will pop up on the screen and say, whoa, 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 this lady has had a cup of coffee, a cup of caffeine already today. We need to make sure she doesn't have more than one more. So they look at you and say, uh, you can have one more cup of caffeine, but then you're cut off because that will be two for today. Isn't that exciting? I mean, she literally said, isn't that exciting? It, think of how healthy I will be because the merchant will tell me what I need to do and how I need to do it. So if your cholesterol is too high and you want to go buy a cheeseburger, you won't be able to buy a cheeseburger. Or maybe you said the wrong thing on the Internet. Maybe you typed in what I said earlier, that men shouldn't participate in women's sports. If you're born a man, you shouldn't be able to beat up a woman in a boxing ring. Mm. Well, that's hate speech. And isn't it PayPal who said, if you use hate speech, we could step in and take $2,500 out of your account as a fine? That's what central bank digital currency intends to do, control us with our money. You've driven too many miles this month. You only get enough to buy 10 gallons of gasoline per month. That's it. Now, if you own an electric car, you can charge it. That's fine. But no gas-powered stoves for you. All of the things that they think they want. Did you get your COVID booster? If you haven't gotten your booster, your money only works half as well as if someone, so if you had $1,000 in, maybe you only have 500 in spending power and you don't get the other 500 unlocked until you get your booster shot. These are the kind of ways that they can control us with a central bank digital currency. That was all digital and you have no say in how it's controlled because it's not your money, Richard, what it is technically. You read the fine print where this has been enacted and it literally means the money belongs to the central bank and a few bankers. You have a use license as long as you conform to the terms of service. You can use this money. But if you violate the terms of service, you can't. It sounds so similar to me of a revelation mark of the beast that unless you take the mark, you will not be allowed to buy or sell. I think it's a precursor to a mark of the beast, in fact. Yeah, absolutely. It, it sure does sound like that. And now China has a, a central bank digital currency already, a communist state, totalitarian government. Are they doing are they doing the things you're talking about? Are they using it in that way? They absolutely are. Uh, they're using a social credit score and you can't buy an airplane ticket if you don't have a high enough social credit. What is defined as social credit? Well, you better not have said that Xi Jinping looks like Winnie the Pooh. If you say something like that, uh, you lose social points. Or if you show up, this is a really scary one. They were having run a run on the bank in China and people showed up to get their money out of the bank and they picked up their phone and they had on their phone a notice 
that they had a that they had a health concern, a code blue, you have to return to your home, you're under quarantine. So they ended a bank run by using quarantine language and sending people to their homes. The intention is to control the population with their money. It's a demonic, satanic approach that they're using. It's happening in China, and they want it to happen here. The World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, even said China is a model for America. George Soros has also said something similar to that. Unbelievable. Well, we can, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that they are planning to implement this through the private sector um, as they bring major banks and other companies on board to say, oh, well, we're only going to accept digital currency. Uh, so if I'm going to pay my mortgage, I have to use the digital currency. Or if I am going to fill my car up uh, at the at, you know, Shell oil uh, gas station, I'll have to use their digital currency. Do you see that being the pathway that they're going to use? Oh, absolutely. It's already happening. Uh, we were at a restaurant. My wife and I had the privilege of going to dinner and then go see Johnny Mathis in concert in uh, Boca Raton, Florida last Saturday. And that dinner, we don't take cash. You're seeing more and more people rejecting cash entirely. During COVID, it was, well, it could transmit germs. But eventually, people are saying, it's just convenient. It's just easier for us. And then, yes, it will be voluntary, and then it will be mandatory. Remember how excited it was? You know, hey, you qualify. You can get your COVID shot now. And it was voluntary. And not only that, but it was a privilege to get it early. And then it became mandatory. You can't keep your job unless you've had your COVID shot. And I, I predict that's how they'll implement it. First, as an exciting voluntary, be one of the first early adopters. And then eventually, it'll be mandatory and forced on you, which means they'll have complete control over the inflation rate and everything else because they will. it is the ultimate wage and price control. They can control everything. And they're going to have to do this because our U.S. dollar, the inflation rate, that's, that's why we need gold and silver, because inflation has been out of control. Absolutely. And we want to talk about inflation. But before we get there, can we talk about ESG for a minute? Because I think it's tied into this as they're already uh, using ESG in the central banks and investment houses and stuff like this to basically reward and punish uh, account holders. Um, can you comment on that? And is that also a prelude to this uh, new uh, one world sort of tyrannical financial system? Yeah, let's define ESG. E, e stands for environment, but it really means eliminate fossil fuels. That's why you can't have a gas-powered stove. That's why you can't have a gasoline-powered car. That's, you know, uh, the elitists still use those, but every, all the rest of us have to go all electric. Why all electric? Because you can shut the power off on an all electric. You can control and regulate. That's why we have smart meters on every home and so forth. That's the E. The S stands for social. It could also be translated as social justice slash critical race theory, where you have to have these DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion quotas, and you want so many people from each background represented, and, and they can be used as a hammer. So, so that's the S. And the G is governance, which also stands for gender quotas or racial quotas, where every major company in America, and I, I'm sad to admit this is true now, if you have a board of directors at a public company on the NASDAQ, you are required to report 
how many black members, how many lesbian gay members, how many uh, American Indian or Native Americans, how many you have of various backgrounds and histories, how many women you have on the board. And there's a quota. You have to have a certain number of those minorities on the board at all times or you're not allowed to be a public company. Wow. I had not heard that. That's incredible. So, um, so tell us then, how will this system, the, the, I'm going to call it the pirate money system, how's that an answer to all of this? Well, the pirate money system is an answer because you go around the whole central bank digital currency system. You have an opt-out at the state level. See, all of that ESG scoring, and, and I'll just wrap up on that, Merrill Lynch and other major brokerages are keeping tabs on what your investments look like. Are they good ESG or bad ESG? And they're scoring you like a social credit system as a means of controlling us. Now, if they use that and apply it to central bank digital currencies, they can control, well, you know, you're not making the right actions. You have too many carbon emissions. Therefore, your carbon footprint, until you get it smaller, your money's no good. Well, here's an option. What if it's legal tender under the Constitution and it's from my state of Texas, which doesn't buy into this ESG garbage, and they say, no, you can't cancel Kevin just because he disagrees with you politically. We will stand behind him and he can have an account at the Texas Bullion Depository and he can have a card that you better take because if you don't take it, MasterCard, you're cut off from Texas or Florida. Mm. Our 20 states that we have enacting legislation, those 20 would be the third largest economy in the world on a standalone basis, second only to the United States as a whole and China. We literally will have a, an answer. This is going on offense rather than just, oh, no, that's illegal. Let's take it to the court. Let's fight it in the courts. No, no. We're going on offense, and we're taking it to them. And those states that I mentioned, we just beat the natural asset company. Uh, problem. And I mentioned it right before the last break. Natural asset companies are a scam that was promoted by the New York Stock Exchange. They asked the SEC, please let us ignore all of the human history of accounting rules and let us make a company that owns a bunch of trees somewhere uh, a viable profit-making company because the trees take in carbon dioxide and they produce oxygen and that's beneficial to society. So we'll change all the accounting rules and you can charge society. If you own a bunch of trees in a field, you can charge society for cleaning the air. Wow. And they wanted to do it with the federal land. So they, Ken Ivory brought this to my attention, and Marlo Oaks wrote a, a, a paper. This is a Wall Street Journal. Companies that can't make money, November 15, 2023, the SEC pushes a plan to misallocate capital by buying land and taking it out of productive use. So natural asset companies could be funded by China or Russia or anybody else. They could find some place where we have rare earth minerals or something we need or oil or anything else. They could buy the property and they could charge the American citizens or companies in America carbon offsets and they would say, hey, we're going to preserve nature. And because we're preserving nature, you owe us for that. It's a complete scam. Marlo Oaks called it out. Ken Ivory called it out. Frank Gaffney called it out. The State Financial Officers Foundation called it out. And today, the New York Stock Exchange withdrew their request 
to make natural asset companies. I mean, this is a huge win. It's the current episode of Economic War Room on, is on this topic. I have a battle plan that's right here. Every show that we produce comes with an economic battle plan. This is the battle plan. You can get this at economicwarroom.com. It tells you how to take action and tell the SEC, no, I don't want to do this. It's got all these links in the back with information. Bottom line is we had a huge victory today. We stopped an ESG proposal beat it back, and the New York Stock Exchange withdrew it. Way to go, way to go. That's fantastic, and thank you to you and everybody who was involved in that. Do you have an economic battle plan on this, uh, this pirate uh, money idea and uh, that people can actually grab a hold of, get educated, and maybe contact their state reps and senators on? Absolutely. We've got probably five or six of them. We, the, this is economic justice. So one of our battle plans is explaining how this is economic justice because the average person today can't afford to put money that, you know, you get an extra $1,000. Maybe you got a bonus for Christmas and you have an extra $1,000 and you're going to save that. And then in January, the washing machine breaks and, and what, how are you going to pay for that? Well, if it's in traditional bank savings, you just write a check or you just put it on your credit card and then you pay it back. If you put it in gold and silver today without a system like we've described, it might take you weeks to get your money out of that gold and silver. I have a very wealthy client in, in Chicago who passed away. She owned the Steinway dealership in Chicago. Beautiful Christian woman, love love her, but she passed away. And when she passed away, we found three rolls of gold coins in her safe. So you go to turn in the gold, and I got a $42,000 offer, a $47,000 offer, and a $49,700 offer. And we've got to sell these and distribute the money to the estate. It took eight weeks to get the money out of uh, those gold coins and distributed to the people. Now, an average poor person can't do that. You can't, yeah. you can't have your money tied up for eight weeks. Pirate money with a, tra with a MasterCard, if you have a bump in the road like that and you gotta buy a new washing machine or your kid needs new clothes or, there, or there's something, the emergency that comes up, you just go spend it. It opens up economic justice. The average person can own gold and silver and use it transactionally. So we have a battle plan just on that. We have a battle plan on how to get your legislature to move forward with this. We have a battle plan on, on all of the aspects of it. I think there's six of them probably from the past year and a half. And you can get all of them at economicwarroom.com forward slash battle plans, all one word. Or just go to economicwarroom.com and click on the link for battle plans. It's, it's very easy, very simple. Um, and you can read all of every 280 episodes our solutions, and we have a lot of wins on artificial intelligence. We have wins across the board on economic issues that our, our audience has followed through on and won great victories on for the kingdom. That's awesome, Kevin. Well, praise God. And uh, we've got some callers who are and uh, reaching out now on, on uh, live uh, calls and also on our website here. I'd like to uh, go to some of those. Uh, we've got to talk about Bidenomics before we're done today and uh, okay. some other subjects. But let's go ahead and take some calls here. First, I'd like to go to Randall from Colorado, uh, who's holding on, on line one. Randall, what's your question today? Well, my question, Richard, as a uh, Tennessean who was born, interestingly enough, in the same county as Davy Crockett, 
on the card. Uh, how my understanding is Tennessee is one of the few states that operates in the black. How close is Tennessee to adopting this? Well, I'll be in Tennessee. I think. January 29th and 30th to talk with uh, Catherine Austin Fitz and others there and members of the legislature. Uh, they've shown extraordinary interest since they've read the book. They have legislation. They tried in the last session to build a Tennessee depository. So we talked to them about it and said, hey, you could just use the Texas bullion depository until your uh, transactions are sufficient to justify economically having your own depository. They loved it. Uh, so I think Tennessee is going to enter legislation this session, and it's going to be up to people like you to let your legislator know, I want this. Tennessee's a perfect state for this. All right. Well, fantastic. Uh, so, Randall, call your state rep and state senator. Thank you for calling in today. Uh, next, let's go to Frank from Missouri, uh, who's got a question for us. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Just a simple question, but a little observation of, uh, you know, the, the negativity really of a, 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 I'm thinking about this book, 5,000-Year Leap, uh, and the 27th and the 28th principle. 27th principle is don't leave a debt to your children's children. The 28th principle is, the last one is manifest destiny. So we're leaving it. We're leaving a debt to our children, and we're we are manifesting a, 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 a destiny. Anyways, my question is: Do you think that the the U.S. dollar is going to die? All right. That's a that's a great question. Uh, the author of that book, The Five Thousand Year Leap, uh, was a friend. He was a friend of my father's more than mine because a. He, my father was closer to his age. His name is W. Cleon Skousen. He wrote a number of books. He taught the Constitution. He's the guy that in 1971 alerted me to Nixon leaving the gold standard and the dangers that that brought. I knew Dr. Skousen well, traveled around with him because I was a you know, kid and teenager, and my dad was his Oklahoma director for the National Center for Constitutional Studies. And we taught churches in Oklahoma, primarily Baptist, but a lot of great churches in Oklahoma or Roberts University. My dad convinced John Eidsmo to put this, uh, the, the book, uh, The Making of America, into the Oral Roberts uh, uh, Law School as required reading, and a student there named Michelle Bachman read it, and Michelle and I were talking about this recently. She said, I did that. Your dad is the one who did that? And I said, yes, my father is the one who did that. And she said, wow. But the, the, the question is, first off, you're right. Uh, the 5,000-year the leap is accurate on this. And your answer, uh, this is the opinion section of Epoch Times. And if you could read it, it says, the day the dollar dies, question mark. The dollar is destined for the dustbin of history. If it's not this year, it might be 10 years or 20 years. But ultimately, it is going to die because all reserve currencies die. And this is fiat money. This is money not backed by anything. That is the same as the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe's $100 trillion bill that they produced in 2008 
because they had to print so much paper money, or the Continentals that were produced. This is 1776 Philadelphia Continental Note that's worthless because it wasn't backed by anything. Or uh, I've got a Weimar Germany here, Ein Million Mark. Let me see if I can find that somewhere up here. Here it is, Ein Million Mark produced by Germany uh, in 1923. All paperback money, all paper money that is unbacked by anything else will die at some point. I don't know if it's this year, next year, or whatever. And I think the globalist elitists actually want to see it happen because that will give them the option to, to rush in with central bank digital currencies. And they'll say, oh yeah, the dollar's dead now long, you know, the king is dead long live central bank digital currency. That's why we have to move on pirate money in the states as rapidly as possible because that gives us a offense move against them. Nobody's going to want a central bank digital currency if they can have a currency backed by actual gold and silver. All right. Well, thank you, Frank, for that question. Um, you know, Kevin, uh, Frank mentioned the, the national debt and, and leaving a debt to our children. You mentioned it earlier. It's now $34 trillion, uh, our national debt. Um, when I looked up before the show, it was something like 122% of our gross domestic product on an annual basis. So we owe more now, our just, and this is just our national debt. It doesn't count state debt. It doesn't count individual debt, corporate debt. Just our national government owes more than our entire country produces in, in, in a year. Um, is this dangerous territory for us? Well, the only nations that have more will be like Italy, Greece, and Japan, right? They, they, these are the most indebted nations of the world. And no, it's, it's a terrible thing. And just to put it in context, because people don't know, what's a trillion dollars? Yeah. I mean, how, so what is a trillion dollars? Well, I'll give you an example. If you take all the credit card debt from all Americans across the country and add it up together, it was recently reported at a record high of $1.08 trillion dollars. It's 34 times that. That's how much our federal debt is. And by the way, that is reported federal debt does not include the promises that we made. Well, we'll pay you Social Security. We'll pay for your prescription drug benefits. Doesn't include any of those off the books items. It is, it is it, if this were done by a, an accounting firm for an existing American company and they just ignored the pension obligations and everything else, the accountants would go to jail for failing to report all of the unreported uh, off the books debt that has not been not, not made it to the books yet. This is just what we owe right now in outstanding treasury bills, notes and bonds. So this is, the actual debt is probably over $100 trillion in terms of promises. We're bankrupt as a nation, and we're just skating, you know, just, it's like Wiley e. Coyote having run off the edge of the cliff, not realizing there's nothing underneath him. That's about where we are as a nation. Again, why we urgently need to move to pirate money, because the solution for that, what's going to happen is they're going to devalue the dollar. And as soon as they devalue the dollar, people will be desperate. And when they're desperate, they're going to rush into the central bank digital currency. And we've got to protect our liberty. By wow. the way, I want to point out 
Uh, we have a website called transactionalgold.com. You can go there and there's a button in the upper right-hand corner that says active states and all of your viewers can look and see where their state is in this process, like Shane Jett filed SB 1507 in Oklahoma. Senator Nathan Dom is running SB 1508. And you can click on the state, and when you click on the state, it will take you to a uh, page you can download and print off as a PDF and hand to your legislature as, as saying, this is what we need, this is how I, I want it to operate. And, you know, I, uh, I was looking at this issue of debt, and the United States government is now paying, I think in 2023, it was $288 billion just interest on the national debt. Uh, that's, that's interest alone. We're not paying any of the principal down. $288 billion, and it's about 18% of every dollar that the government, federal government spends. Um, and every year we borrow more which I presume increases the amount of interest that we have to pay. So we then have to borrow more and borrow more. And are we stuck in an absolutely, uh, uh, in, 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 a, in a spiral here that we can't get out of unless we start cutting our spending? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm afraid to tell you that you've understated what the interest was. That was the interest when we were paying 1% on $28 trillion in debt, which is when uh, Trump left office, we were paying about 1% on $28 trillion. Interest rates have gone up massively since then. They're now 4 to 5% is what the federal government has to pay to borrow money. And 5% on $34 trillion, uh, this is going to blow your mind, 5% on $34 trillion is $1.7 trillion interest only. In our lifetimes, Richard, we've seen 10% interest rate and 10% on $34 trillion would stop up all the tax receipts that the federal government takes in. And that's, that's the precipice we're talking about. Interest rates have gone up so that the debt is actually much, much, much higher and the interest rate is higher and the net result is that it is taking more and more of our tax dollars just to pay interest. Wow, that's incredibly uh, scary. Uh, and and uh, what we see in our national government is literally no will. Tell me if I'm wrong. I see no evidence of any will by any of uh, our leadership there to actually reduce spending to a point where we can start paying down some of this debt. No, that's, that's absolutely the case. There is no political will, even... Um, uh, the House uh, Speaker Johnson and others, they're talking about cutting deals that will allow us to continue growing. Even when they do cut, talk about cutting spending, they talk about cutting the growth rate of spending, not actually cutting spending. So the bottom line is there's no political will at the federal level. That's why we have to go to the states and we have to give people a personal opt out like the transactional gold and silver. You know, I remember back in the in the 2008-2009 financial crisis, I think now we call it the Great, Rece Great Recession, but it was the George Bush to Barack Obama handover during that time frame, and they passed something called a stimulus package, right, where we're going to borrow a trillion dollars to stimulate an economy. 
and, and we've done that multiple times since then, uh, including the massive stimulus during COVID. And it seems like that now this is the new MO, this is the new standard. Well, if, we, if we go into a time of economic uh, slowdown, well, we just need to borrow more money, not cut back on our spending like any normal person or business would do, but actually we need to spend more money. And is this just craziness? Am I, am I understanding this correctly? And what do we do to fix it? I know that your solution is an important one, but what thoughts do you have on that? Well, it is crazy. However, uh, it, it's Keynesian economics. It's what the administration believes. It's what most of the Congress believes. So you just borrow more and spend it. The problem is, is that if you got a teaser credit card rate and you borrowed up to the credit limit on your credit card and your solution when you have a bump in the road, you lose your job or whatever is, well, I'll just borrow more money. The credit card company cuts you off. In mm -hmm. our case, the credit card company is either the Federal Reserve, which prints the money that they give us, or it's foreign governments or it's the American public. Foreign governments are done buying the U.S. dollar. China used to hold 10% of our debt. Now they hold about 2%. And the American public is very wary of buying any more federal debt. So the bottom line is what happens? You get cut off and everything fails. Wow. Um, well, we've got another call on the line. Uh, this is from AJ, also in Colorado. And I, I think I know the answer to this, but AJ, what's your question for Kevin Freeman? Hey, I was wondering, uh, so I live in Colorado. I looked on uh, transactionalgold.com, and I don't see Colorado having any proposed or legislation coming up anytime soon. So how would I have my money go over to this new system? Well, that's good news. The bad news is Colorado is not moving forward, but we would love to have an effort in Colorado. I think my friend Dee Dee Loginson is running for Congress there. We've got some other great people in Colorado that could help us. I've talked to the Coors family and others that really want this. So connect me and we will, we will see if we can get something going. But the good news is, is that your credit card is likely not issued by a Colorado bank. You might have one issued by South Dakota or it could be Omaha, Nebraska. Nebraska, or it could be North Carolina. You might not even have a Colorado bank at all. You might be at Wells Fargo or, or Bank of America or whatever. We have the ability to move money across borders and have banks in other states. Just like that, you could put your money in Utah or in, in Texas or Oklahoma or Florida or any state that passes this. And the early states that adopt this are going to get a large flow, and it's going to create a competition. We've even talked to a number of states about forming a compact of states. Now, I'm not talking about a convention of states. I'm talking about a compact of states, which is mentioned under the Constitution, where multiple states could pass transactional gold and silver and make it work for for your state and other states. Just like when I drive north from Texas into Oklahoma, my toll tag that I use here pays my Pike Pass bill when I enter Oklahoma. And then when I enter Kansas, I think it's Sun Pass or something like that. It, it, it's all interoperable. That's our dream is to make it all interoperable between all the different states. And so Colorado um, can use the Texas Depository or Tennessee or whichever state they want. All right, well, uh, Kevin, we need to take a break. We're a little bit overdue for that. So we're gonna take a short break now, share some information with our viewers, and we'll be right back. 
With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. All right, everybody, we're back here on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris, and my guest today is uh, Kevin Freeman, an expert on economic warfare and uh, financial terrorism, but on all things financial and banking. And I'm just fascinated by this concept of pirate money that he is leading, uh, and it looks like many state legislators are, are uh, interested in pursuing that would give the citizens, the people of this country, uh, a way to preserve their financial freedom without becoming slaves to the, the central bank digital currency that seems to be steamrolling its way forward. Um, Kevin, I want to just get a little bit philosophical with you at this point and, and ask the question of um, uh, why is it so difficult for liberals, progressives, to see the craziness of this approach of borrowing and spending? Why is it that they can't see that they're going to eventually drive our nation into the ground financially? I, the best answer I can give is for him who has eyes to see, let him see. Uh, their eyes are blinded. Uh, they borrow or slave to the lender. They don't see that. They don't see that a nation under a curse uh, is one that borrows from other nations and lends to none. A nation under blessing is one that lends to many nations and borrows from none. A nation under blessing uh, prospers. A nation under a curse, the alien who lives among you rises higher and higher while you fall lower and lower. This is all Deuteronomy 28 and 29. Mm -hmm. The reason that I think that they see this is God says, choose you this day whom you will serve. The question is life or death, a blessing and a curse. And people have rejected God and therefore they're walking headstrong into the curse. It's the same kind of blindness that caused people to take off their gold rings and toss them into the fire and build a, a, a golden yeah. calf to worship. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is ultimately a spiritual issue, uh, this whole subject of, of, uh, of money, isn't it? Yeah, no, it absolutely is a spiritual issue. Jesus said, Luke 16, 10 and 11, he said, if you're faithful in the small things, I'll set you over greater things. If you're not faithful with money, uh, no one will ever trust you with true riches. 
God wants us to view money as a weapon, a tool, or a small thing. In America, we have the sin of making uh, money the big thing. It's the real thing. It's No, money's a tool. When you die, uh, my father died recently. He did not take anything with him. He passed an inheritance to his children and his children's children, as a good man does. But he took none of it with him. Uh, it's a tool that we can use here. It could be a plow, a rake, a, a, a weapon, like a, a gun or a knife. It could be a kitchen tool. It's something to use to benefit humanity, to bless people, uh, but it is treated as the end goal. Not by the left, by the way. The right treats it as the end goal. This is what I want. The left wants power, and the progressives want power. They figure they can get all the money they need when they get power, but up until that point, they want power more than they want money. On the right, we do stupid things. Christians do stupid things all the time, like as soon as I get enough money, I will serve God. As soon as I get enough money, I, I will. I, I'll do that when, as soon as I get enough money. Well, you know, the one guy that had enough money that approached Jesus, mm -hmm. he said, hey, you need to follow all the commandments. I've done that since birth. I've done all the commandments. Okay, one thing I ask of you, go sell all you've got, give to the poor and come and follow me. And he couldn't do it yeah, because the money would. had him. He didn't have money. The money had him. And so the reason that we on the right make money so important, by the way, James warns us. He said, you rich people, your riches rot with you because you're not using your money. It's just like the, the steward that buried his one talent. You're not using your money. You're holding on to it. Well, if you hold on to your money, then you're not using it, and therefore it is useless. A tool unused is useless. So God is against that. You rich people, your riches rot with you. What should you do? Go. Do good things with it. Spend, give, invest. Three things you can do with your money. That's the sin of America. It's supposed to be a small thing. We make it the big thing. And I can't tell you how many billionaires I've run into. I'm going to sell my company and get all this money and do good things for the Lord. Well, I know a bunch of billionaires, some of whom do great things. Others, once they sell their company, they say, well, this is all I've got. I've got to protect my money. That's a yeah. dumb, dumb. They ask, how do you protect? Kevin, tell me, how do I protect my money? I said, what a stupid question that is. You know, imagine me telling a billionaire, and I've done it. That's a stupid question. I, care, I live in a, in a Second Amendment state. I carry a firearm almost everywhere I go. Somebody said, nobody's ever asked me, how do I protect my gun? Yeah. The job of the gun is to protect you. The job of the money is to protect you. Stop trying to protect your money and start using your money. Weaponize it to bring liberty, security, and values for this nation and future generations. Well, I think Jesus talked about somebody, too, who piled up his money and uh, uh, thought that now I'm secure and that night his soul was required of him. Well, Kevin, you've got a revelation uh, uh, from an Old Testament story uh, of revival. I think you correct me if I'm wrong, but was it King Josiah and uh, how they uncovered a copy of the law of God and it said about revival in the nation and it's tied directly to money. Can you share yeah. that with us? Yeah, well, to, to set the stage, we've got to go back to King Hezekiah, who was a good king. Everybody liked King Hezekiah. He asked God for extra time. He gave him extra time. He made a mistake, though. He showed off the treasury. And when he did, the prophet said, everything in the treasury is going to be carted off. And this you can see in the Chronicles and the King's versions both. They talk about it. 
So then you see, and I believe it's implied, but it doesn't say it forthrightly. I implied he decided, well, if they're going to cart off what's in the treasury, I'm going to take money and put it in the temple. And you see that he opens up rooms in the temple to store treasure, and he piles it up. Then he has a son, and the son goes into the temple to find God, and he finds money instead, and money answers everything. So he trusts in money, not in God, and he was a wicked, despicable king. And his grandson, wicked and despicable, three generations, second generation, third generation wealth, and then King Josiah becomes king at eight years old. His father's killed, and he becomes king. Now, I have a Veggie Tales view of this, and Eric Metaxas was just out here in Liberty Hawk, and I did not know this, but Eric Metaxas was a writer for Veggie Tales, which is really fun. My VeggieTales view is Junior Asparagus is the eight-year-old king, and he's kicking around a soccer ball inside the temple, and it knocks over a dusty book, and he picks up, what is this? And he reads the Word of God, tears his clothes, and tells everybody, follow the Bible. That's not what happened. That's not even close to what happened. What happened was when King Josiah, in the 18th year of his reign, 18 years he's been reigning, so he's 26 years old or thereabouts. He says, let's rebuild the temple to honor God. And they say, okay, king, we'll go out and tax the people in town and get the money to rebuild the temple. He says, no, 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 no. I don't want you doing that. I want you to take the money in the temple and give it to the people in the town and let them come in and rebuild the temple. Wow. Which is James telling the rich person to pay the laborers who labor in the field. It's Deuteronomy telling you to pay the labor. It's all throughout Scripture. Pay the labor. Use the money. He says, get the money and get it out working and use it. And in 2 Chronicles 34, 14, it reads this way. And when they brought out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, so money that had been brought in from Hezekiah's day, set in the temple, when they brought out the money that had brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest uncovered the book of the law of the Lord as given by Moses. They found God's word when they got the money out and started moving. In other words, they were faithful in the small thing money, and God gave them greater things, his word. And King Josiah became a great king because he used the money to rebuild the temple and honor God. They found the word of God. Then they rent their clothes. Then they tore down the high places. Then they said, we'll serve a righteous God. They didn't have the word of God till they got the money part right. And yeah. that's the message that I found in Second Chronicles. Could we say it this way? Until they started using money for God's purposes... They, their hearts were not open to God's word. But once they did that, then suddenly they were able to receive the word and revival broke out throughout Israel. That's exactly what happened. And that's yeah. true over and over and over. Like you said, the rich young ruler, get the money out of the way. Or the rich fool, get the money out of the way. He could have honored Lazarus. He could have taken care of him. And you see throughout Jesus' teaching, but it goes from Genesis to Revelation, that money is, if money is desired and loved, it's the root of all sorts of evil. It's a mechanism for control of the Antichrist. You can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast. But once the money part is put right in its rightful place, then you can honor God. Then you're open to God's truth. Then you get God's blessing. 
Wow. Well, we've the we've got about 15 minutes left today, Kevin, and the and the board is lighting up now. Uh, let's start taking some more calls, shall we? Um, I want to go first to Sandy from the state of Iowa uh, with an interesting question. Hello. Hi, Sandy. You're on the air. Yes. As you stated, I am from Iowa, and Monday night we had our caucus here, which I'm sure everyone is aware of. Yes. The question I have for you isn't directly on topic, but it kind of is in the finances of this country. But is Truth and Liberty aware of Ryan Brinkley, who is now the fourth out of the four people continually running for president? Are you aware that he's running because he very boldly states that God told him to run? Um, I'm not aware that he said that. No, I'm not. Kevin, I don't know if you know an answer to that. Oh, I know Ryan Binkley. And if you're watching economicwarroom.com, you would know about Ryan Binkley. We had him in here. I'm not suggesting that he uh, is going to be president. Uh, but I will tell you, he told me God told him to run. Uh, we had a great conversation with Ryan. Uh, that was episode number 260 that aired uh, September 28th, 2023. So let me encourage every one of you to watch Economic War Room 25 minutes a week. You will, you will learn all kinds of amazing, interesting things. And you would have known all about Ryan Binkley simply from that episode. But let me also say in Iowa, Senator Kevin Alons from Iowa was in the economic war room. We had our transactional gold meeting. He took back uh, 20 or 50 copies of pirate money and started handing them out in Iowa. And so, yes, we're aware of Ryan Binkley. We're aware of Iowa. And Iowa is considering legislation for transactional gold and silver. Wow, fantastic. All right. Well, Sandy, thanks for calling in. I hope that answers your question. Maybe you should uh, reach out to your state rep and senator there in Iowa about that gold, um, uh, the pirate money issue. So uh, next, I'd like to go to Robert from Florida. Uh, thank you, Robert, for calling in. What's your question today on Truth and Liberty? Uh, hi, Richard. Um, um, Kevin, my question to you is right out of Isaiah 63, I mean, excuse me, 6011, which is the transfer of wealth scripture. And I, I just want to read it to you. It says, therefore, your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day or night that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles and their kings in possession, excuse me, procession. And my question, um, Kevin, is how will this prophecy be fulfilled in this generation to the church so that um, we can make disciples for the nations? Well, it's interesting that you bring that up. There's several passages in Scripture that talk about the wealth of the wicked being laid up for the righteous and so forth. Uh, we've got to seek God. It's, if we make money our ultimate goal, uh, there's no way God's going to give it to us. It's not going to be brought to us. It's going to be used to enslave us because we have a love of money. You can't serve both God and mammon. That's found in the same Luke passage. You, you'll love one and hate the other, hate one and love the other. So what we have to do is we have to love God and we have to seek him and we have to not hate money. If you hate money, and there are people I've met who say, I don't want any money in my life. I hate money because it interferes with things. No, no. If you hate something, you're serving it just as much as if you love something. Mm. So you can't love uh, God and mammon. You can't hate one, love the other. You're serving both. So we serve God and we trust him to provide the money. I think it might be fulfilled in our, in our generation. Maybe pirate money has something to do with it. Throughout scripture, gold and silver is, is always listed as real money, gold and silver. 
But I will tell you this, it also says in Zephaniah, your silver and gold will not save you in the day of the wrath of God. So gold and silver are a tool. They can't save you. They can't do anything for you other than be used by you to fulfill God's purpose. And the minute you get that attitude, I think that we'll find the wealth of the wicked laid up for the righteous coming into the kingdom. Amen. Awesome answer. All right. Thank you, Robert. Uh, next, let's go to Carol from Texas. Carol, thanks for calling. What's your question? Um, my question is, uh, how do I have um, gold and silver that I have in a depository of another state transferred to the Texas Bullion Depository? Good that is a fair. Which, which state is your gold and silver in? It's in Idaho. Well, I, I, Idaho. In Idaho. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how you would do it. I know this. The state of Texas had a billion dollars worth of gold in New York, and they wanted a billion dollars worth of gold in Texas. So the way that they did it was they sold the gold in New York and bought the gold in Texas. The problem with that is it's got friction of transaction fees, both selling and buying. You'll have to talk to your Idaho depository and ask them if, if you can take physical delivery. And if you can, you'd take physical delivery and then you'd have to deliver it to Texas. You can go to texasbullyondepository.org, um, I believe it is. And maybe it's .gov, but Texas, Google Texas Bullion Depository. Let me look it up. And there are forms that you can fill out to make a deposit. It's texasbullyondepository.gov, and you can fill out forms. If we get our way and we get pirate money passed in the state of Texas, uh, you'll be able to do it uh, all electronically, and you could ask, ask the Idaho Depository to send it, or you could sell it and buy it with very little transaction costs. All right, Carol, does that help you? Uh, yes, it does help me. I will look up this. Uh, I will call the Idaho Depository and then the Texas Bullion Depository.gov. I'll look there. Thank All right. You. Thank you. Okay. Next, let's go to Joanne from Tennessee, another Tennessee caller. Hi, Hi. Joanne. I just want to know, is there enough gold to, uh, to uh, do what you're talking about? Is there enough That's gold? I think she means in Texas, right? Yeah. No, I, uh, around the whole world. I mean, everybody's talking gold, gold, gold. Is there going to be enough gold? That's a very good question. A lot of people ask uh, about that because they want to know how much gold there is in the world. And the answer is, is that if there's a huge amount of interest in this, the price of gold will go up relative to the U.S. dollar. Or another way to look at it is the price of the U.S. dollar will go down relative to gold. But the good news is the state doesn't have to own any gold. It's your individual private gold. And the other good news, it's optional. You don't, you're not forced to use it. There's more gold in the world than we know, uh, but it's limited in supply. You do want limited in supply. That's the problem with the paper dollars. That's why this Zimbabwe $100 trillion bill was absolutely worthless, not worth one penny because there was so much supply. In fact, in, if you go now to Venezuela, there's currency all over the streets because it's not worth anything. You need a limit on supply, and the free market will determine the price of it relative to the supply of it. So, yes, there is sufficient supply in the world to, uh, to cover all transactions 
And that's, you know, Bitcoin operates this way. When you have limited supply, it has value. When you have limitless supply, it has no value. So the fact that gold has a limited supply is a good thing, not a bad thing. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, how about uh, Jim, also from Tennessee? Hey, Tennessee may be your next uh, success story. (laughs) Jim, what's your question today? Uh, My question is, I'm retired and I get my money from the government, or some of it anyway. What happens as far as getting it into the gold standard, the church of the pirate gold? Well, immediately upon receipt of your money, let me tell you what they did in Zimbabwe. When their currency collapsed, they had the number one performing stock market in the world in 2008. Why? Because as soon as somebody got paid their paper money that they knew would be worth less tomorrow, so, you know, the buying power of this today uh, will be cut in half by tomorrow because of hyperinflation. First thing they did is they went and bought stocks. They'd call their broker and say, buy stocks. Well, as soon as you get paid in U.S. dollars, you can immediately convert it to gold. You can go onto an app and you can say, I want to turn the $10,000 that I got into ounces of gold. Right now, that would buy you about five ounces of gold. And you could immediately do that. Now, I'm not recommending that people put everything they own into gold. Don't get me wrong on this. I'm recommending that this should be made available as an option so that you can put a portion of your uh, financial transactions and capabilities into gold. Someday, we may be on a full gold and silver standard, and that would be wonderful. But immediately, when you get paid, take that money. If we're successful in Tennessee, if you're paid by the state of Tennessee and we get our legislation passed, the state could give you an option. I want to be paid in gold or silver rather than U.S. dollars. That's where I'd like to head, and that's where I think these 20 states want to head. All right, Jim, I hope that answers your question. It does. Thank you very much. All right, sir. Thank you for calling. Next, let's go to Joe. Uh, Truth and Liberty and AWMI partner. Joe, thank you for your support for our work here. And uh, Joe, you're calling in from Georgia today. What's your question, brother? I just wanted to know, what could the federal government try to do to control the depositories? Because they would still be interested in controlling the people. Yeah, that's a really fair question. It's it's one we talked about, Richard, off the air. You said, well, what about this? Well, fortunately... Uh, we have a Supreme Court that uh, the, my best read of it would be six to three or five to four in favor of protecting this. Uh, Clarence Thomas, I think, would be in favor and, and lead the court on that. And also, fortunately, we have Lane County versus Oregon. I think it's an 1868 ruling where during the Civil War, they produced greenbacks, unbacked paper money, and Lane County or Oregon said, we want to transact our business in gold and silver, and Lane County didn't want to give them gold and silver. They said, you know, this paper money, this greenback says, good for all debts, public and private. Therefore, we're going to pay you state of Oregon with paper. And Oregon took them to court and all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled and said, you know what? Article 1, Section 10 says a state can make nothing other than gold and silver coin. Uh, make a state, no state shall make anything but gold and silver coin a tender and payment of debts. The double negative means that they can make gold and silver coin tender and payment of debts. So the federal government, I'm sorry, in that decision they said no court, no federal court. No Congress, 
No bureau of the government can interfere with a state's rights to make gold and silver coin tender. And you combine that with another decision. All this is in the book Pirate Money. It's all explained. Another decision, Bronson versus Rhodes, and they said this applies to bullion just as well as it does coins. So fortunately, precedent and law is on our side with this. The Constitution's on our side. Will the federal government try and violate it? They might. That's why we need a good Supreme Court to stop them. Right now, we have a good Supreme Court that would stop them. Glenn Beck told me personally, he said, brother, get this enacted as fast as you can and get it to the Supreme Court as fast as you can and get a ruling on it because this is the way to break the Great Reset. This is the one silver bullet or maybe gold bullet <laughs> that can kill the Great Reset. Awesome. Thanks, Joe, for your question today. We've got about three minutes left, Kevin. I want to ask you um, a couple more. First one is you actually have a retreat center that you and your wife operate there in North Texas. And I want to give you an opportunity to share with our viewers what that ministry is about and how they can uh, get in contact with you on that. Yeah, I'm sitting in the middle of the Dunkirk Advance Center. We don't call it a retreat center because you don't win anything by retreats. We advance. Uh, yes, but it's built on the notion that the little ships of Dunkirk saved the British nation. And if you saw the movie Darkest Hour or the movie Dunkirk, you understand little ships were necessary to save the British army. Um, what we do here is we've got uh, uh, four dozen hotel-style rooms. We've got meeting rooms. We've got uh, conference center uh, with a full commercial kitchen, and we host like-minded groups, we host legislative summits, we host groups with the intended purpose, we call it Liberty Hawk Ranch, to advance liberty, security, and values. And this is the home of the National Security Investment Consultant Institute, NSIC Institute, you mentioned it at the opening of the show, and where we train financial advisors and our purpose there is people say, all right, I get it, Kevin. I need to weaponize my money for liberty, security, and values. How do I do it? Get me some good financial advice so I can invest in things that will protect our future and not destroy our future. Well, you're going to need a financial advisor to do that. So we train financial advisors. You can learn more at NSIC.org. And we will help them help you invest in liberty, security, and value so that you're investing in projects that advance like pirate money or projects like we have a solution for, we have five smooth stones, we, we, we call them, that we're working to kill giants. We're taking on the Federal Reserve with pirate money. We're taking on the Chinese Communist Party. We're taking on woke Wall Street with the NSIC advisors. We're taking on uh, woke Hollywood with a studio concept. We've got five of these projects and we're looking for investment ideas that can and fall from them where people can put their money towards the future of liberty, security, and values in this nation for their uh, future generations. That's awesome. Uh, we don't have time for my last question, uh, but that is fantastic. I am so excited to, to, about what's going on there at Liberty Hawk Ranch. So one more time before we close, let's put up a copy of Kevin's book, Pirate Money, where people can get a copy of it at piratemoneybook.com. Please be sure to do that, folks. Get on uh, economicwarroom.com, uh, get some of those, uh, those battle plans, and get a hold of your state reps and your state senators. Kevin, you are a gem, brother. 
thank you so much for coming on the program today. We love you and uh, blessings to you guys. Thank you to everyone for watching today. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. Uh, Pastor Dwayne Sheriff will be hosting on the Truth and Liberty live call-in show. You won't want to miss it. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.